on a very special Twin Peaks. We have uh, conspiring with Mr. Cooper with the lovely Dana and the lovely Donald Jeffries. <laughs> and Mr. Cooper is muted. Sorry. <laughs> good evening, Don and uh, Dana. How are you two doing tonight? Good. Good to see you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes, thank you for no having No worries. Okay, so uh, we're going to go into something that Tom and I uh, know a little bit about, not too much, at least on my part, and that's uh, the Nuremberg trials. So, Mr. Jeffries, you're the one that actually opened my eyes to that in Crimes and Cover-Ups, your second nonfiction book. And what's the full title of that again? Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963. <clears throat> that's quite the subtitle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the one that has the forward by Ron Paul. So very proud of that. That's right. Okay. All right. So uh, you actually you are a critic of the Nuremberg trials, and I had never come across that before until uh, I read that book. What brought your attention to it, and uh, how is it kind of related to where we are now, where it's being thrown around now with the possible COVID prosecutions and things like yeah. that? Yeah, well, that's because it's um, it's become accepted as the ultimate standard of justice. You know, people say Nuremberg, and again, you just go back and look at it, and you see in the book how I had, uh, really, I think I was the first one to criticize Nuremberg trials since uh, Senator John F. Kennedy. You know, he wrote his book, Profiles in Courage, and one of the chapters was on Senator Robert Taft, who was uh, Mr. Republican, and uh, one of the last great Republicans. And um uh, the chapter, his courage, according to JFK, was in criticizing the Nuremberg trials and how they violated every standard of justice. You know, until the Nuremberg trials, how many wars had existed in the history of the world? I, you know, obviously a, a lot. And uh, it had never occurred before for the victors to put the vanquished on trial in a court of law. That is, it is you know, usually you surrender, you sign the terms of the of the, of the surrender, and that's it. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the, the precedent had been set, though, because after, you know, so much goes back to Lincoln. And, you know, for instance, they hung the uh, unfairly uh, Commander Wirtz at the Andersonville prison, which is very unfair after that. And uh, certainly World War I paved the way with uh, reparations, where they, you know, for the first time in history, uh, uh, someone who lost in a war had to pay reparations, pay remunerations to the victors. And people don't realize I put up my book. I think a lot of people are amazed about that. Germany didn't stop paying reparations for World War One until 2010. So this 2010. is 2010. 2010. So that's so that this didn't come out of nowhere. So that was the next logical step. That uh, okay, well, let's actually put these people on trial. You know, we defeated them on the battlefield, and now we're going to charge them with war crimes again. No one had ever heard the term war crimes. Kind of like hate crime. And uh, if you notice in my book, the entire, the defense of the, most of the allied atrocities I talk about, the bombing of Dresden and all that stuff, um, that was the Nazi defense. You know, the Nazi lawyers, to whatever defense they could do, they kept bringing up, well, you know, this is what happened on the other side. And uh, Curtis LeMay, of all people, generous Curtis LeMay, which a lot of us think was uh, deeply involved in the JFK assassination, he was one of many who admitted, you know, if we had lost you know, we, th this is what they would have brought us up on in terms of if they had wanted to try us, they would have all this, uh, you know, material to do it with. So I just think it was a terrible precedent to set. And uh, there was a lot of opposition to it at the time. A former Supreme Court justice was saying how terrible it was. Uh, John F. Kennedy, 
Robert Taft, uh, both of Eisenhower's brothers, curiously enough, who were both high-profile public figures. I have it, you know, all in the book. The the people, T.S. Eliot, I think, the noted poet. So, at the time, people did object, like, you know, wait a minute, you can't put the losers of a war on trial. This is, you know, this is uh, by. I think that one of the Supreme Court people said, you know, by its very nature, uh, war is lawlessness. You know, this you can't. How do you? You could say anything that happened on a battlefield technically was some kind of a crime. So uh, this was a very dangerous precedent set. And now people just bandy it about and they think of it as the ultimate form of justice. And also I talk about how much like our legal system, how inconsistently it was applied. For instance, uh, there were lots of uh, Japanese leaders who weren't subject to it for some reason. Most of the Germans, and I, I think it was... Uh, Thank you, but Chris probably remembers it better than I do. I think it was it was Hirohito or one of them that lived until lived to a ripe old age. You know, he you know, and he was one. I think the the, the number one guy in Japan. So why is that the case, and why some Nazis not only weren't tried, they went on to under Operation Paperclip to uh, found NASA, yeah. and uh, Reinhard Galen, you know, formed the uh, the precursor to uh, the CIA. So. That's basically what it's about. I, I just think it's a dangerous precedent. And I think uh, it's one of the many attributes about JFK that no one talks about is that, uh, you know, he he was a very vocal critic of it at the time. And uh, I, I think I'm about the only one in America today that had criticized it. Everybody else, bring it on, man. Let's put put everybody under to another Nuremberg trial. No, not a good idea. Now, how, how does it relate with, uh, let's say they do bring uh, Fauci up on charges. Is there a correlation at all? Like, because, I mean, people can call him a Nazi all they want, but yeah, well, it's not quite yeah. the same thing, you know? Well, it's it's hard to determine what, you know, again, I I, I don't have the patience to look through, like, the, the, the transcripts of the Nuremberg trials. I'm not sure what the, because I don't think, you know, the Holocaust didn't really become... Uh, the main defining part of the narrative for a while. I don't think they were really talking about that. And I don't think, I'm not positive, but I don't think it was, it was really touched upon there. I think it was more like what they allegedly did in terms of atrocities, which again, they said, you know, the allies did the same thing. So um, I'm not sure exactly what even they were trying them on, but if, if terms of um, other than losing a war, Fauci could be tried, but I, I'm afraid that if, I don't think it would ever happen, but if Fauci did, I think they would go down that road we've talked about the uh, the lab leak rabbit hole, where you know Rand Paul and people are right. talking about that, where Fauci you know could be guilty of many things, but I don't think he's again. I think that's a smokescreen because you know how I feel about it. And asking the truth, you know, I I think I you know, come out pretty clearly and say that uh, you know this the, whatever whatever came out of that lab, it wasn't COVID nineteen, and the bioweapon is the vaccine. So that's, it's it's akin to. Uh to Cuba with the JFK assassination or the, uh, or the mafia and also yes. Saudi Arabia and nine 11. Yes. Smokescreen. Exactly. Limited. That's exactly what it is. And so, uh, I don't know what they're planning to do. I mean, they, they, they should put him on trial for uh, the thousands of people that died from AIDS back in the eighties when he was pushing, uh, this AZT. ridiculous HIV and pushing AZT, the medication, uh, they could easily do that. Uh, they could certainly put him with a lot of other people. I mean, if you wanted, to, but I, I just don't like the idea of doing it Nuremberg trial because then that also smacks against uh, show trials, you know. And then that's yeah. if you look at Nuremberg, the first trial was presided over by this ridiculous Soviet guy who, you know, who knows what he was responsible for in terms of being a judge. So it was very, uh, to say that it was the kettle calling the pot black. Uh, 
I, I think it was all there was very much of that there. I, I don't know what kind of I, I just would prefer them to tell the truth about COVID and uh, but obviously that would be very difficult to do. And I, I have no confidence that anybody because, again, Rand Paul, people like that are looking in the wrong direction. You know, yeah. they're looking at gain of function and all that stuff, which is nasty stuff. But uh, it's not what caused, uh, you know, this, this the last three years of tyranny here. Right. And Dana, uh, what brought your attention to uh, research Nuremberg? Being an ICU nurse during COVID um, and just the relevance of informed consent, because there were so many times, you know, they weren't allowing family or visitors into the hospital. And, you know, up until we started using, you know, remdesivir, we were doing fresh frozen plasma, um, convalescent plasma with positive antibodies. And so that, you know, we'd call a family member. That's easy to explain. It's kind of like giving a blood product, you know, and people were very proactive about donations because we were begging for them. Um, but then when remdesivir came, that was when everything changed in my eyes. Um, and I worked in three states during that time. And just some of the things that I saw, I'm like, isn't Nuremberg supposed to be a golden standard? Isn't that supposed to be the, the law of the land in medicine at the very least? You know, that's the argument that's made even outside of the lore of Operation Paperclip. And so I looked more so at what is the applicable, where has the code been applied today? And it really hasn't. Even the Holocaust Memorial Museum's website says that it's not well established on a global scale within the court system. And yesterday I was looking through in the 90s. So Clinton did the Human Radiation Experiments Committee. And I think it was like two years before that they did, um, it was the veterans health risk. And it was, it was a nerve gas and another agent. And it was like 500 pages long. But in the very back, it discusses the Nuremberg Code. And it was the army had the right to decide if consent was required and what their attitude was toward the Nuremberg Code. And I'm like, okay, so this is a joke. It's just something that's referenced. Uh, like, like Don said, it's like a show trial to give people the appearance that something's being done at least on my side, on the medical side, you know, because Nuremberg 2.0, make Nuremberg great again. And I'm like, hey, it was never great because it's not real. Right. Well, and, you know, at Nuremberg, a lot of things came out after the Nuremberg trials. Virtually all of the story, you know, tales of the Holocaust came out after that. And a lot of these uh, supposed experiments that the Japanese we're conducting these hideous experiments. I don't believe they have, because there weren't very, I don't know how many Japanese were even trying at Nuremberg, but uh, I don't think that, I think some of those scientists were, you know, imported into the U.S. as well that did some nasty things in Japan. So I, I'm not sure what they were, even, to, to me, I look at it and it looks like they were tried for losing a war, really, to be honest with you. I think that was the main thing. And the atrocities, most of the atrocities came later. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's, but I just think it again, it's, it's set a terrible precedent. The idea, you know, reparations was a terrible precedent to, to basically fine, you know, we're not only going to defeat you in war, but then we're going to take your money too. You lost, so pay up. And that's what they did in World War One and uh, World War Two, And basically Germany paid a lot of reparations after World War Two as well. And, but 
you know, the idea that we're going to put you in, we're going to try you in court because we all participated in war. And like Harry Patch, the last surviving uh, soldier from World War I said, war is organized murder and nothing else. And that's what it is. So both sides are guilty of the same thing. They're just, none of these soldiers are writing policy. They're being manipulated or, you know, around the chessboard in order to do things by the people who aren't fighting. So the idea that you can charge some of them with crimes because they lost, again, if it's history is written by the victors, I talk about that all the time. If, you know, things that you just go back to the Civil War, if the South had won, you know, Abraham Lincoln would not, would be considered the biggest tyrant we ever had. Uh, certainly we'd have way different heroes and a whole different, I don't know what would have happened, but it would, it would look far different than it is today. And the same thing with um, certainly uh, with, with uh, World War II, if the Germans had won, I don't think, you know, we'd all be speaking German or whatever that now, but uh, we'd certainly look at it, you know, FDR, Churchill, they would have been the war criminals. Stalin, who certainly was a criminal, he was our ally. Never, you know, never remember, we were, we we're putting the Germans and the Japanese, you know, on trial. Uncle Joe Stalin, who we now admit killed more of the, you know, people than any of those guys, supposedly, uh, he was our ally. He was one of the good guys. So it's, you know, it's just, the, my point in writing all this stuff is that there really aren't any good guys. I'll agree with that. <laughs> it's a whole world of gray. <laughs> Tom, you uh, look like you were about to say something. Earlier. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm good. No, I'm, just, I am, I'm I listening. That, uh, Don, your work, I'm going to be honest, I haven't read your book, but uh, you're doing the Lord's work, in my opinion, because people really have a misconstrued idea and i think part of it is even outside of the precedent of punishing someone for war crimes because i think that people and it's not me being disrespectful but i think that people can't even get their heads around that it's just the simple injustice in general and that we're not taught this part of history yet it's thrown in our face that it's the standard and so people look at me like i have five heads when i say you know nuremberg is not used today. Now, in America specifically, if you look at, I've, I've read a couple studies where it shows citations within literature, and it is definitely oversighted in American literature, not everywhere else. So, like you said, uh, it's written by the victors, right? So, yeah, it's a show. Cool. And that's, that's you know, I, I appreciate the kind words. And uh, I, I, I just tried to, you know, it, it's probably uh Maybe foolish of me to try to write history and come up with these hidden history books because uh, Americans are, by and large, historically illiterate. And uh, Chris and I have talked about this many times that they don't know what the official narrative is. So it's hard to show them how false it is if they don't even know what the official narrative is. You're trying to deconstruct something. And first you have to explain, OK, this is what they say happened and then say this is why it didn't. So. And, you know, people, again, they don't they don't have there's not much interest in the past anymore. I, I find, you know, a lot of young people just don't care. And uh, so but, you know, history is important. You know, as Santayana said, you know, history, uh, those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. And we keep repeating it over and over again because uh, these and that's why, you know, when I write about Lincoln or something, that's even more over the top. Well, no, it's probably not because there are some other people, Thomas D. Lorenzo and stuff, that there are more people that are taking on Lincoln. Nobody but me that I know of has talked about Nuremberg. And I'm actually amazed in all the interviews I've done, uh, no one ever brings up that part of the book. I was kind of, I thought, oh, I got to be prepared to defend this. I know. But yeah. 
Nobody has. So you're really the first one to, to talk about it to me. Cause I, I really, I, I expected to be questioned a lot about that, but no one has been for whatever reason, they want to talk about Lincoln or something else. Well, Don, you also, um, <clears throat> you open up, you and uh, the late Dave McGowan uh, opened my eyes to how history has got Lincoln very, very wrong. And also with Joe McCarthy, it's almost yes. like one became this hero and the other one is a villain in history. Yeah. And that's not really the case at all. No, and he, I'll, um, you know, hidden, hopefully I'm, I'm not sure what's happening with the next volume of Hidden History, which I don't think is going to be called Hidden History 3, but it's the third volume of it. I think it's going to be Hidden History, American Memory Hole. But hopefully I'll be signing a contract on it uh, you know, very soon. But that'll have, thanks to Peter Sikosh, he did, you know, our friend, he did a, a lot of uh, a great work in, into that area, Joe McCarthy and uh, FDR and Wilson and everything. And uh, McCarthy has been treated really unfairly. It's amazing because even, even and I, I just get tired of correcting people. So many people, they associate him with the communist witch hunt. They associate him with the House Un-American Activities Committee when he was never in the House. He was in the Senate. So he had nothing to do with that. He was, and he, he was basically, he wasn't looking at the Hollywood 10 and, you know, trying to ruin people's careers in Hollywood. He was looking at uh, what he said was Soviet influence inside the United States government, specifically the army. And that's when he started getting all the enemies, when he started looking in the army. And, uh, you know, we've, we said, you know, again, thanks to Peter, I've, I've discovered that uh, McCarthy was apparently the first truther on Pearl Harbor. He was the first one that really was out there publicly saying FDR knew about it and let it happen. I mean, so, and, and just, you just look at the way McCarthy died right after his friend, James Forrestal, who was another one of the casualties, as you know, I quote him all the time where he, uh, he was a uh, Truman secretary of defense and supposedly jumped out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital. Uh, he didn't, <laughs> and, uh, and he, uh, but he, he's, he's the one that said to McCarthy and him were good friends. So was Joseph P. Kennedy, by the way, he was great friends with both of them. Another malign figure. They didn't kill him. They killed his sons. But he uh, he's one time said to McCarthy, uh, you know, McCarthy, if this wasn't a giant conspiracy, once in a while, they'd make a mistake in our favor. I use that line all the time. This was random. You'd see something different, some different results. But it's always the same. It sure looks coordinated to me. But after uh, Forrestal was killed and, and McCarthy said he was killed, McCarthy wrote a pamphlet about it. You know, they killed Jim, James Forrestal. It's the United States senator. Then he goes in Bethesda Naval Hospital, age 49, with a knee problem. Two days, he's dead. No autopsy, nothing. And everybody in America, because, again, he was vilified. Look at Trump. Think of something like that. If Trump died, you know, millions would cheer. They wouldn't care. Same thing with McCarthy. Millions of people hated him because of the press, the way they treated him. The press cheer led. And I have some of the quotes in the book where they basically were celebrating and uh so, yeah, he's been treated very unfairly, especially you know, when you juxtapose him against Lincoln, who was, you know, you know what his record. I don't know if you want to go into that, but Lincoln was, I think, our worst tyrant and is considered our greatest statesman. Well, George W. Bush uh, cited Lincoln in terms of uh, the Gitmo, the Gitmo uh, incarcerations and torture, right? Yeah, he still said, I mean, Lincoln was, he, he, there's a, again, there's a timeline of history. Lincoln's precedents set up what happened uh, in World War I. And I talk about this all the time. And Dana may not know this, but this, this is a history lesson for you, a hidden history lesson. I love it. Or, Please. You know, well, even I didn't know. When, you know, sometimes when I'm researching these things, certainly now because of Chris and Peter doing great research for me, 
I learn stuff, but sometimes just on my own, I learned. And I, I didn't know until I was writing this book. We all hear the expression, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. You know, you have free speech, but you can't do that. Well, I was trying to figure out where that came from, you know, because it, it certainly wasn't part of the founder's intent. Well, nobody heard that expression until uh, in World War One, Eugene Debs, a great socialist, and lots of other uh, people were protesting World War One. They said, this is ridiculous. America shouldn't be involved in this. So Woodrow Wilson threw him in jail unconstitutionally. Well, they petitioned the Supreme Court and said, you know, you can't do this. I'm right to protest, right? I think January 6th, right? Again, again, this is all connected. And uh, so the Supreme Court in the uh, person of Oliver Wendell Holmes, legendary name, Chief Justice Supreme Court, big eugenicist, just like Woodrow Wilson and all these guys are. They're all eugenicists, every one of them. Uh, and all pro-war. They all support every war. So, uh, so Holmes, pro-war, big eugenicist. So, of course, he gets great press. He's still considered a great hero liberal. He issues the ruling and upholds Wilson's right to throw World War I protesters in prison. And he cites the expression, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And as I pointed out many times, however you look at it, protesting a war is not yelling fire in a crowded theater. So why did he come up with such a ridiculous analogy? And I can't find any evidence that anyone protested at the time. And again, that's one of those lines in the sands we cross where the people at the time were much more intelligent than Americans are today. They let it go. I don't know where the civil libertarians of that era was, but that was that's one of the worst Supreme Court rulings ever. And they've had some bad ones. And it set the, it set the precedent for shutting down the sense. So World War II comes along. Nobody even bothers to protest because they know they can't. They don't have the right. So you have Ezra Pound, the poet, you know, who uh, goes over to Italy and uh, makes a broadcast for Mussolini. Well, they got him after the war and the FDR threw him in a, they put him in a cage in the desert for a while. You talk about, this was a renowned poet. You know, this is a guy who hung around with Robert Frost and all these people. So Eustace Mullins saved that gentleman, did he not? Yes, he did. Eustace Mullins, Eustace Mullins was, uh, and Ezra Pound inspired Eustace Mullins. He's the one that kind of, educated him on the federal reserve and he was he was a uh, ezra pound was his uh, mentor in many ways and so and eustace mullins and robert frost Ham, even hemingway who i don't like otherwise but a lot of these figures who knew him tried for years because after they they brought him back to the country uh they threw him in saint elizabeth's mental hospital for 10 years and of course he had no mental illness at all his, his mental illness was opposing the war you know, thinking, you know, th thinking FDR was a communist or whatever he thought. Think of the Jews ran everything. I mean, that's the stuff he was saying, basically. So he threw him in St. Elizabeth. Uh, he finally got out and he did help Ezra, Mull uh, Ezra uh, uh, Eust Useless Mullins uh, write the first book uh, in the uh, Federal Reserve. So yeah, Tom definitely knows uh, what he's talking about there. But again, that, that could happen because, again, all these precedents are set. So then you come to something like Guantanamo Bay, as, as uh, Chris is talking about. The Bush administration did cite Lincoln's treatment of the northern prisoners that they they he suspended the writ of habeas corpus and threw thousands of people in prison just because they opposed him. He shut down hundreds of newspapers. He's our greatest statesman, though. So all this is cited. And so even down to the Bush administration, they could do that. And if anybody ever nobody even protests now, but if somebody ever like if the ACLU or whatever would wake up and be about civil liberties again or. Mark Lanes, people like that were around, other, somebody other than like me with my limited platform. Nobody's pointing out how unconstitutional is that these political prisoners in, in, from January 6th, they've been denied all due process for over two years now. Uh, even, even if they weren't beaten and uh, thrown in solitary confinement, which is obviously outrageous, but uh, there's nobody protesting it. But if they did, 
I can guarantee you the government would cite the precedent going back to Lincoln. They'd say, this is an insurrection just like then. So they don't even have to do it because nobody's protesting. But that's, you know, that's the unfortunate timeline. These things, they're followed. Nobody's, nobody uh, fights them. Nobody really protests. And the other side always wins. As, you know, as James Forrestal said, you know, this isn't random. Once in a while, you know, <laughs> the, the, the good sides would win. They never win. They just don't. Dana, what do you think about that? I actually read um, your article regarding you can't yell fire in a crowded theater earlier today. I was oh. trying to kind of catch up and I was like, wow, that is so fascinating. But it doesn't surprise me at all uh, the way that that's presented. Um, and I did want to compliment you because I think it's not done enough. You did a, a podcast, uh, like a news sort of show earlier today with two other gentlemen and ah, you American guys were, Plug, yeah. American Plug, yes yeah. um that's the only show that i've heard in a long time that talks about the uh i would say social woes of feminism so thank you because that is uh something that i think is very important but i don't talk oh. about too much because it's very unpopular well yeah, it is and I, well you're fascinating to me dana i mean this because especially for because uh, i mean i I, yeah, you were talking about the MGTOW movement, the men going in there. And some of these guys like me. I've been on a couple of their shows. I didn't even know they were MGTOW people. And then they, I found out, where you know, you know about MGTOW? Yeah, and I, I know a lot about it, you know, even though I probably shouldn't, but I do because it fascinates me. But um, so, yeah, I, I'm amazed that you you seem like you uh, you have it all together because uh, there's – it's and what I – I didn't get to talk about it too much, but it's, it's ironic that this toxic feminism that uh, really helped – get us in the situation we are today and now finds it up itself up against uh, this new, truly deranged foe of transgenderism. So, and they clash. Feminism can't exist with trans. And so you're seeing like JK Rowling and a few other people where it's happened a little bit, but I, I'm surprised it's not happening more because they contradict each other. You know, fem feminists used to say, you know, if a woman needs a man, like a fish needs a bicycle. And, you know, they would say stuff like that. We don't need any man. We don't need any men at all. And and they, we hate men. But then suddenly, if somebody says he's a woman that is a man, suddenly they elevate that to the, the height of womanhood. And they're better than any biological woman. I, It's madness. I can't even, you know, I can't even analyze it, really. I don't understand that. I never saw it coming. And uh, but it's uh, it's crazy. And I, I said, I'm just I'm just glad I'm not. Uh, a young person trying to make my way navigate, you know, in the dating field or anything today, because it's, it's, I don't even know how I would describe it, but it's, it just looks like a nightmare out there. I think with feminism, because, you know, I like to say uh, women are so empowered until it's inconvenient for them. And then they become, you know, super delicate and fragile and they have to be handled <laughs> with child gloves. Um, the history of feminism, you know, dating back to the 1800s, that's what kind of fascinates me and the different, you know, phases of feminism, the waves, whatever they call it. Uh, I think that this uh, whole movement kind of eating itself alive is the natural conclusion of it, quite frankly. Um, I'm completely anti-feminism. I have very unpopular views about women that I will not state in public, but <laughs> I'm just giving you credit because I feel like a lot of people, especially men, because um, you guys are so terrible, you know, misogynist. Uh, no, it's talking about history and being able to look at 
you know, the first wave and the second wave. And, you mm -hmm. know, quite frankly, you see just this massive increase in the welfare state and the power of the welfare state and the power of family courts. That wasn't really an issue uh, before feminism came along and demanded everything. I, so I, I think that more people need to talk about it because, uh, like you said, a man can come in and just say he's a woman and he's right. number one and you can't question him. And if you do, it's, it's a hate crime. So. Yeah. It's, ins it's insanity. And I, you know, the, uh, the one you, you could say that the most, the, the po a positive thing that could have come out of feminism, which when they, when they sent women into the workforce in large numbers, that should have meant that every married couple had uh, twice the buying power. Twice the not twice the income, but somehow that didn't happen, and no one questioned. In fact, they started falling behind, and so the one positive factor that you might have gotten out of it might have mitigated some of the latchkey thing and all the negative consequences. It didn't happen, and no one questioned it at the time. I mean, I was too little, but but uh, I'm questioning it now and wondering why more people didn't say, you know, hey, let's how how is it that the wife wasn't working before now she is working. And somehow their paychecks together go less far than his did alone. Even I mean, it, it makes no sense, but that's the reality of it. And uh, it, but that's you know that's more of an economic thing. But it's so I, I really don't I don't think other than the fact if you go far enough back, you know, and you hear stories from you know that I heard when I was little that you know obviously women just having to be cloistered to their homes and never being able to leave and stuff and, and having no rights at all uh, was obviously wrong, but. Uh, it, it just, unfortunately, it's not much good came out of it. Like I said, economically, you could have made a factor. Suddenly you had twice the income. Okay, it might, it might you know, offset some of the other things, but it didn't. So you had nothing but negative consequences. And you see the results, the latchkey kids and all the other stuff. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, there has to be nuance with everything, right? So, of course, there was abuse. You know, of course, there were those things that were happening. But by and large... You know, going back to the Declaration of Sentiments where they're making this proposal, you know, for women to get these rights, people today don't understand that, you know, the voting laws at that time, it was a household vote. That's just how it was. The women didn't vote on their own. That makes a lot of sense to me. If you're contributing to your community and you own your property, that the household gets to vote, right? Because we have a lot of voting issues. You know, I'd say over the past like decade or two, that might not be such a problem. Um, and then, you know, with the wars, all the subsequent wars and the development of technology, of course, women had to go to work because the men were literally out getting killed, you know, trying to save their country or, you know, serving their duty um, as they were told. And when they came home, then we have the dishwasher, uh, you know, the laundry, you know, washer and dryer, all of these things to make it more convenient. And then here comes, you know, these feminist authors, you know, sending these books and it's, are you miserable? It's because of your husband. You know what's going to satisfy you? Getting a corporate job. That's what's going to do it. It's it's like one of the biggest, um, I would say, like psychological, like fifth fifth generation psychological warfare that's still running to this day. Gloria Sinem, those types, right? Yes, yes. Gloria, Gloria well, she was a start, pretty much the start of the feminism thing, wasn't she? Yeah, and Gloria, oh. Gloria Steinem. Yeah, in hidden history, I showed Gloria Steinem was CIA. They, they acknowledged yeah. it was Timothy Leary. Gloria Steinem's Ms. Magazine was financed by the CIA. 
much like modern art was. Just so that's uh, all this is co-opted. I mean, it's it's. So like the Pollock paintings, where you just throw. Oh them, like, yeah, exactly. it's like that's yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, that is CIA. Yeah, people don't he killed, know that. He killed a roach on the painting and just left it there. Oh, cool, man! That's it's art. Yeah. CIA financed all that. Yeah, Dead roach. Yeah. Some of the older roots of feminism are really interesting because I've told Chris I used to be a really big horror movie nerd, so. I've gone all the way back to like Mary Shelley and Frankenstein, and you can see some of the roots start there. Yeah, and she was, a, she was a feminist. Her father, yeah, and her, yeah, Mary, yes, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. That's a fascinating story. You, you know a lot, Dana. Man, you're fascinating. See why uh, Chris and these guys have you on all the time. I wanted to have. I, I was trying to get her on. I protest, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, I need to. I, I mean, I heard yeah. your name, but I knew nothing about you. You're, yeah, I've got to get you on. You're very. Uh, Unique. I mean, it's amazing. You must be very popular amongst your peers, I'm guessing. Oh, no, not at all. Because, <laughs> again, it's, it's the feminism thing, right? Because I'm like, you all shouldn't be allowed out of the house after a certain time and your phones be taken away because you guys just don't know how to act right. Because I'm totally anti, like, uh, what you guys were talking about earlier on your uh, on your show about the whole like online and people not connecting and mm -hmm. they only know communication and you know, what they call intimacy through like these dating apps and whatever. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, please go outside and hug a tree, please touch some grass. There are yeah. people, yeah. this isn't how the world works, but it's how they want it to work. Because like you said, they're all eugenicists at the end of the day. Yeah. They well, Don, well, Don um, Dana has been going basically dissecting um, program to kill. And it's fascinating because mm -hmm. she's finding things that I missed the, uh, a whole bunch of times out of Dave's work, not like not just that, but like, um, what are some of the other books that you were uh, doing chapters from? Like, uh, I'm trying to remember right now, but I've been, you know, kind of uh, cherry picking very, very lightly. Um, Dr. Wendy Painting's book, Aberration yeah. in the Heartland of the Real. Uh, yeah. Just because there's still a massive PR campaign. There was another episode put out today about the late, great Jolly West and all of his good work for yeah. the United States and how humanitarian he was. And <laughs> so I just take little tidbits here and there because I don't want to take away from her work because she did an amazing job. But primarily Dave McGowan. If I remember correctly, wasn't one of the Jol uh, Dr. West's, uh, wasn't one of his ideas with the radiation was to do it on mentally handicapped people because they wouldn't be able to tell. That was Dr. Sidney Gottlieb. I read Gottlieb, that yesterday because yeah. right. they yeah. found out about the leak and he was like, why are you guys upset about a bunch of retarded kids? They're not yeah. going to talk. And I'm like, there's your intelligence community, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's what they Gottlieb think of Gottlieb out of Canada. Yeah. Yes, sir. Gutley was there, and you and Cameron as well up there. You know, they, mm -hmm. that was those was hideous experiments. Well, you, uh, I hope you'll analyze uh, something I wrote, uh, Dana, because and I wish you'd look into masking the truth. That's you know, I'm trying to get to. They're doing everything they can to hold down my newest book, and I, I talk about being shadow banned, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's very hard to even find. You can't find it in the catalog of the World Cat. I mean, you have to go back door to even find that it's there. I don't know if it's any libraries are going to allow it. That's never happened to any of my books, and they're all controversial. Google Books won't. Google Books uh, censors it from its search. It's there. Yeah, it's there, but you have to you have to go to one of my other books and click on my name, and it'll show up. But if you type it in, it won't be there. 
So they're 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 screwing around with it a lot, and uh, so I I need more people to uh, to be talking about it. But that it tells the you know it's obviously the most important one I've written because it, it tells what's going on now. And again, it's, it's like all the uh, unlike all the other like my friend Naomi Wolf and uh, Alex Berenson and uh, Peter McCullough and all, all these guys that wrote books about uh, Robert F Kennedy Jr. about Fauci. They're all good books. They do well, but they start farther down the road. They don't start at point A. I'm the only one that points starts. They, they they say there was a deadly virus, and then they analyze the reaction to it. I go back and say, well, what is this virus? What is it? Yeah. Where did it come from? Is this you know has this been proven? They can't isolate COVID nineteen the strain, so they mm-hmm. haven't proven it exists. So I I take it all the way back, and I talk about the empty hospitals and the dancing nurses and all that stuff, which the other ones don't because that's part of the story. Right. And it's why I believe it's the greatest psyop in the history of the world. The yeah, I don't disagree. And I still want to know where they were working and who was paying them, because we all know that they have facial recognition technology. So who were they? Because everything has to be put into a computer, right? Like everything is tracked to a T in the hospital. So I would really like to know because I saw some really horrific stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to get one of the dancing nurses on one of my podcasts. We'll see what happens. Oh, wow, that would be something. Yeah, you know, one of the ones wow. that was on the Today Show. You know, yeah. somebody tweeted. Wow. Somebody tweeted the dancing nurses were doing another video. Wow, cool. Yeah, it was as on Twitter. Like a brand wow. new one. Yeah, they were outside. There was a bunch of them. It's still dancing. Like, wow, like fifty nurses out there outside, and they were recording it dancing. Oh, it was for the it was for the climate thing. Sorry, that's what it was for. For the oh. climate. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another worthy cause. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they weren't there dancing for night. They're not dancing for 9-11 truth. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I will dance for that. I will do a stupid TikTok dance. My first only for 9-11 truth. truth. Yes. Yeah. And I will hurt my back in the process. I hurt everyone that's watching it too. Anyway. So one, one other thing I wanted to say that uh, uh, Dana, that, um, John got to go back and forth with uh, Dave McGowan before he uh, wow. was taken away. Yeah, he wow. and I were just uh, he he and I had been were compa- have been compared by a lot of people, I guess, including Chris, who you know discovered yeah. both of us. And uh, uh, Dave, yeah, just very. I, I I did a on my old TFR show. I did a dedication show to him where I had his brother, who I guess Craig is really sick now too. I don't know if you've been reading about that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's very sad. And uh, Craig and, and both their parents are still alive. It's very odd. Craig takes care of them. And yeah, by himself. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Craig and Maria Heller back when we were uh, <laughs> we were kindred spirits, but long before uh, Trump. Trump. But we did we did a, a, you know a, a show dedicated to him, and uh, he. I had started reaching out to him because Miles Mathis, this guy who's uh, <laughs> one of the most unique people on the internet, who thinks everything is fake, including me. Because he wrote something, he wrote a long time ago. He wrote when Dave was still alive. He wrote, you know, you people tell me about, you know, Don Jeffries and Dave McGowan, people like that, and uh, they're both ghosts. He basically said neither one of us are real, and said try to find, pick, even find my pictures all over the place, and certainly my interviews. So I I wrote to him to assure him I was real, and uh, he's so arrogant because I, I wanted to get him on my show because I think he's entertaining, but he's uh, above that. He doesn't do interviews. Mm. So, uh, you know, as, as if I don't know how many other people are asking to interview him, but anyhow, they, he, <laughs> uh, we, we, we were, uh, grouped together there. And I told Dave about the first time I contacted him and he, cause I said, this guy's kind of stealing your, your act too, a little bit. Cause Dave was hinting at lots of things not being real. I mean, Dave, I think, I don't know where he was going with the Lincoln assassination. Yes. 
it looked like he was going to try to say it didn't happen, that it was like a, a you know, Andy fake, Hook Sandy Hook thing. I, I, that's the impression I got, but I, I don't know. He wasn't able to finish it, so we don't know. And I think I asked Craig or Maria about it, and they claimed they didn't think he was going there, but that's what I got out of it. That certainly seemed to be the direction he was going. So between that and certainly he, his wagging the moon dog, you know, that's what took me off the fence for that issue. I mean, that was incredible. So uh, certainly admire him. bombing too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, and he. Uh, so I'm. I'm honored that uh, anybody uh, you know puts me in the same breath as him. He's a great guy and uh, left way too soon. No telling what he would be thinking about the craziness that's going on now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I've had, I think now four individuals who have reached out to me because uh, most of my content is on Instagram, but they've reached out and said, who wrote that book? Like, I'll do a chapter of Program to Kill. And they ask me, no one's ever written about my story before. When he talks about, you know, all of the child stuff in the beginning, the I've had four victims reach yeah. out and, yeah, yeah, and ask for uh, his name. And I've had them reach back out to me and say that they bought it and that they read it and uh, they just think so highly of him. And I think that that's really special and it shows that he was doing really important, accurate work. It yeah. means a lot. His work is very important, cannot be understated. And he was basically taken out in my humble opinion and in yeah. uh, other people that are Agreed. close, that were close to him. Yeah. And that's yeah. another thing I've been trying to get Craig to come on and talk about uh, the last year of Dave's life. Had a lot of weird, weird people coming and going. Yeah. A lot of weird women coming and going around, you know. Yeah. But anyway, but but Dana, um, I wanted to ask, uh, what was some of the, with the false memory syndrome stuff? Because uh, Don wrote about that, too, um, over oh, the years. I got to yeah. read that. He probably did a way better job than anything <laughs> that I've found. No, you just need to, if you're at, and Dave's books are great, but yeah, you should, you should do. Hopefully you'll look into my books. I think you, I think you'd like probably all of them. Hidden History, I know you'd like, and the other crimes and cover-ups you'd like. Oh, yeah. Hopefully Masking the Truth. I don't know if Survival of the Riches is more economics, and uh, Bullyocracy is about bullying in schools. So, but, uh, you know, it's and no, but it's, it's, it's a social. It reminded me of like a Dave McGowan-esque type thing because it's about the social engineering of people and bullies, you know, to be uh, the ruling class and things like that. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that's a very valid and very important book as well. And unfortunately, Don, it came out right at the beginning of the lockdowns. Yeah. And yeah. you weren't able to promote it. And and it was, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I think it was an important, again, I think I, I, I hate to keep, I'm not tooting my own horn, but nobody else had, had evaluated the hot social hierarchy in school like I did. And, uh, you know, you can, and uh, heartbreaking stories and so many people I heard from that, uh, you know, say, I've been waiting for this book. And, you know, they still had, all, you know, they woke, had nightmares from what happened to them when they were kids and they're middle-aged. So many trauma. People, it was trauma. Yeah, yes, it caused so much yeah. trauma. But the problem is it's kind of outdated because, again, this transgenderism thing, I don't know what happened. They closed the schools down. I don't know if those guys, if the... Uh, the jocks and the, the athletes and the cheerleaders. I don't know if they are the popular crowd anymore. I don't, or maybe it might be the transgenders. I don't know. Cause that's what they're pushing. And so maybe they're making that cool. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll become bullies too, but so that's the problem there. It's a, it's a great book, important book up to that point, but I'm not sure that it maybe, you know, maybe it is. I, I don't know, but I, 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 they must still have some power in those schools, but the, the transgender thing clashes 
with sports and uh, unless they, you know, can make is because transgenders are, it's, you know, it's, it's boys football, boys basketball, especially that, that, that drives those, uh, the social hierarchy in schools and girls cheerleading and prom Queens and all that stuff. Uh, Transgenders can't play. They're not going to play. You're not going to have girls playing football. You know, that's not going to work as it is with men with women's sports. So, I don't think they could become popular that way. So I, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'll write an updated version uh, someday that nobody will read, you know, to see what, what's, what's, what's <laughs> popular in school now, you know. <laughs> I'll read it because I have uh, I have a feeling that the chemical imbalance, especially with the hormones, I don't think that that's going to fare very well in the long term, unfortunately, for no. A lot of those kids that are already like I remember being in middle school like it was a nightmare and you couldn't pay me money to go back and deal with those Mm -hmm. kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and deal with bullies. So add in that chemical imbalance. I just think it's a bad idea for everybody. Yeah, Critical race theory was another one, right? Oh, yeah. All of it. Pushing that too. Um, Tom, your thoughts? Get your kids out of the schools. Start schooling them yourself. That's that's. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you if you want to get away from all that bully stuff and whatever that's going on in the schools, get up with some other parents. Pat the plumber does it. Yeah, you know, he does. His he's homeschools his boys, his wife, and him. So it can be done. Yeah, I they're, think they're, you have to do that. I think you'd have to now. I don't. I don't think anybody. If my kids were young now, I would be on. Um, I would be on YouTube all the time in viral videos, you know. If my kids were if my kids were young, <laughs> if my kids were young, I'd be at the school pitching a bitch every day. Yeah. That's what I would be doing. Yeah. Because you know, a bitch. My kids haven't been out of school that long and it was nothing it was nothing like this. And I used to go in and volunteer all the time and I, I saw what was happening and uh I didn't really see much suspicious at the time, or I would have let them know. So and that's again, it's a very short period of time where they have uh, flipped this stuff, and now it's just madness there. And I don't. But but uh, Tom was alluding to homeschooling. Yeah, it's great. But the problem is again, economically, it's really hard for a lot of people to homeschool, and that's why you know that's I, I know maybe you can, but I mean I, I don't. I, I think it, it, that definitely makes it difficult for people. Yeah, but I think if you get with other families. You know what I mean? If you can come kind of combine the, and then you can yeah. all work together, you know, say dad takes one dad takes a day off this week to teach the kids mom next week, yeah, you know, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. There's ways you just got to think it out, you know, just think it out a little well, bit. We, we just have so many people so divided nowadays, you yeah. know, it's like, I don't, we, you know, you don't know your neighbors for the most part. Right. No. <laughs> so I think that was all by design. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, but um, but Dana, you you had a uh, you had a subject that got uh, Tom, I think, uh, got Tom going. Oh, the satanic Nazis! <laughs> oh. <laughs> what can you tell us about that? Well, I mean, you know, as I say, we don't want to do a full forensic, right? Because everybody has better things to do than listen to me sit here and rant all night. But, um. There's been, I've, I've been the subject of these weird disinformation campaigns lately. And one of them, well, tell us about guess, that because you, you, you've been, please, if, if you're comfortable, please tell us about that because Don has been a shadow ban for years. 
like even in person, like uh, people on other people's shows and things like that. And now you're going through uh, your own thing. Whatever. Mine is a microcosm compared to him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like it's just a little speck. But um, there was that author. He's an author and I believe a journalist for the New York Times. And Seymour Hersh. Just, no, I okay. actually. Gosh, I wish it, it was. It's Michael. I don't remember his name. And he posted this screenshot, and it was from YouTube, where he says, like everybody does, the satanic panic wasn't real, and Michael Aquino didn't do anything wrong. And I'm like, oh, oh, would you guys like me to go on YouTube and stream about this? Because I would love to debunk this misinformation. Um, and then that was when I thought, you know, we're going to be talking about Nuremberg. I thought it would be kind of interesting, since Michael Aquino was... A very open Nazi. Uh, he wrote that book, We We Break the Sword, about how uh, if the Nazis could have just uh, changed everybody's minds, then everything would have been fine. And it's like this sort of fantasy fiction book. Um, but how when they formed NATO, all the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they were in Himmler's Hall of the Dead doing black magic rituals. I don't know why people don't really want to talk about that because there's a lot of weird stuff that's been going on with NATO. So is this the fruition of a magic, you know, black magic ritual? I don't know. It's just a thought, my conspiracy theory, so to speak. So Dave, Dave McGowan went back and forth with uh, Aquino with uh, yes. Yes, something did. called yes, Dialogue did. with the Devil. And he had some balls and... Uh, Yes, he did. A brass yeah. set. I'm impressed, Dana. But yeah, I, I wrote about Aquino uh, in, uh, yes. in Hidden History. I have a whole section on child sex scandals, and I talk a lot about McMartin Preschool. And uh, Aquino was accused of, uh, <laughs> seemed to have pretty much evidence accusing him of doing him. I think him and his wife both of doing uh, things. The kids, the kids could identify his bedroom. Yeah, I mean, and nothing ever. And you have to ask this. And I don't know. I didn't know much about his Nazi stuff, but I know he was an open Satanist, I thought. And I don't know how you get to be a colonel or whatever in the military being an open Satanist, but I mean, that's temple, temple of set, I believe. Set, yes. yeah, temple set. So he's a very strange, uh, obviously strange, anomaly that, uh, that, that's, uh, that leaps out at you, but yeah, the satanic panic and all that stuff. And that's why uh, I get in debates with people about that because especially the McMartin preschool, you know, they, they yes. found those tunnels. Yes, they did. Oh, I know. Yeah. They found the tunnels and I, I, I uh, contacted, um, what was her name? Jackie. Uh, I'm sure you probably remember Chris. Jackie something. She was one of the main people that was, uh, she's one that hired the people to find the tunnels. But yeah, I, I had the emails in the book Hidden History, but she, for some reason, she acted strange to me, almost like she didn't believe it. Like the woman that first um, set everybody on the, that first, you know, spoke out against what was supposedly happening at Martin preschool was uh, she died very mysteriously. And they yeah, accused her did. of being a drunk, right? Yeah, they accused her of being a drunk, including this woman, Jackie, in the email to me. And I thought, that's that's an odd attitude to take, you know, for somebody that found the tunnel. So, um, you know, I don't know. But I, I've, I've seen specials on TV. and They're garbage. It's, it's so one-sided. I mean, it's like yeah. watching the JFK assassination special. I mean, I, it's like, really? This is supposed to be – and why are you taking the side? You know, there's even a glimmer of possibility here. Why are you taking the side of the people who might be abusing these kids? So, uh, so good for you doing that because that's obviously part of the, the problem, and we see it. Every this, you know, this child. Second, you see it with the, the movie, uh, you know, the, the, the Sound of Freedom. Yeah. We discussed yeah. that you know, on the show today, and that's again, that's very controversial because people go, but 
like one of the people in the chat room said, though, it's it's just like Oliver Stone's JFK. Even if Caviezel and all these people are compromised and, and, and the guy uh, Ballard, and everything, even if they are, it the message at least it's getting out there. People are seeing that something that this is happening. So maybe hopefully it'll you know it's like RFK Jr. raising some of the issues he's raising. Regardless, at least they're getting out there, and uh, so I think it's important because you know, of that. Well, Don, the only thing I'll say that goes in the opposite direction of that is I noticed way too many people on Twitter calling it the QAnon movie. Yeah, so right, that's right off yes. the bat. They're throwing yeah. it out like yes. the whole issue yeah. that is being yeah. raised in the movie, and yeah. I think that's by design. Well, as you, as you know, Billy Billy Ray and I debated that last week, where I think it's obviously unfair because I think this movie was uh, written at least before QAnon. But yeah. you're right, Caviezel doesn't help it if he's put, if he's flashing up those things where it looks like that's what he's talking about. I I don't understand that at all. I don't I don't uh, you know as you know back in the day I I was on a, well, you know, before they deplatformed them on the YouTube, you know, SGT report had almost a million uh, subscribers and yeah. uh, people like him and uh, Sarah Red, Westall, Dustin Nemos, Red Pill 78, all these big shows. And they had, uh, they were mostly Q centric, you know, where we go one, we go all and everything. So I danced around it, you know, and I just, I, I cause I, I, I thought it was stupid, but I wasn't, they were some of my biggest platforms. I don't know how anybody, I mean, how, how is anybody, I talked about that today. How's anybody still finding this relevant? I mean, they, they can't possibly think that, that we're winning. I mean, we've lost, we've lost that as, as, as much as anybody can lose. So what, what, I don't understand what they're, they trust the plan two more weeks. I mean, Caviezel is like, Oh yeah, uh, Trump's going to uh, do the, he's going to save all the children. And so what the fuck, like, wasn't he supposed to do that the first time around? Yes. Yes, he was trust the plan or like the 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 winter was coming or oh, no i'm getting dark winter mixed up you know yeah. what i mean what well, it was something like that you know what i mean and now caviezel and he's calling himself jesus calling trump moses yeah. what, what is that i i don't i don't, I don't, I don't. There's, there's sometimes maybe i'm like john brissom i i get that way where i i just you know i don't know if anybody's uh real because yeah. i mean is there is there any because i mean you think there has to be somebody good somewhere but Maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Uh, some, John, John, and I went back and forth on a Twitter thing. It, we, you know, we we kind of like we patched things up after the fact, but you know, he got me thinking with the RFK Junior stuff. Yes, so, oh yeah, I, know. I was starting to do the uh, the MAGA thing only with the Kennedy thing, and it's yeah, like, yeah, he could be the same psyop, but on the other yeah, side as uh, Trumpy Dumpty there, you know. Yeah, as you know, I got. I mean, I I admit, you know. He, I, I knew he would seduce me, and he did. You know, he's got yeah. me in because you know I, I loved his father. I was a little kid when he was, yeah. and you know, I cried like a baby when they killed R.K. And uh, that's where I first discovered politics. I was very young, but I knew about the delegates and the primaries, and uh, so I became a political junkie after that. So here's the guy with his name, yeah, he, and he's saying, you know, a much better stuff than anybody else is. And uh, so, Correct. yeah, I mean, and I kind of, it's like a cheating spouse or something. You forgive him. Okay. Yeah. He does keep backtracking and uh, apologizing and saying he's the big yeah. Israel's biggest supporter and that stuff. I, I, I don't like that, but uh, I Before that, the last one, the last Kennedy that was doing that, at least behind the scenes, uh, got his plane blown up. Absolutely. And absolutely. If you, and if you read hidden history, Dana, uh, I was the first one to uh, have a real investigation of uh, JFK Jr.'s assassination. It was not he's not alive. Q people, sorry, yeah. uh, they killed him, and uh, you'll be you'll be amazed. And Chris, 
helped out a lot. When hidden is the next hidden history comes out, we have lots more. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable <laughs> story. I mean, it's behind the scenes. JFK Jr. was on a quest to find out who killed his father. Yeah. And nobody else in his family cared, and so it was a bit. But he was obsessed with it. He read all the books that I was reading. You know, so it's, oh, I'm it, definitely interested because I have yeah. a long-winded uh, theory about all of that and that family. So that, yeah, absolutely. I well, would I that Cause I've to, read like 15 books on it. So let me add a couple more. I even talked to the, the supposedly the last human being to ever talk to John Yeah, through the radio, a guy named, uh, and I can say this cause uh, another investigator named Pat Shannon was boots on the ground in Martha's Vineyard uh, shortly after the plane went down a couple, like a week or so. And he asked to talk with uh, buddy Wyatt guy named Marvin Buddy Wyatt, who to this day is scared to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, that was broadcast all over Channel 5, WCVB in Boston, and, you know, other national news outlets were talking about it, where JFK Jr. was uh, requesting landing instructions. He was. And then a few, uh, we have at least three, two eyewitnesses and a third an ear witness, which I personally think was also most likely an eyewitness, but was protecting himself by saying he was an ear witness. Yeah. That saw an explosion in the sky right around the time that the plane went down. So, uh, yeah. So, and people like to say it was either a Bush or Clinton that had something to do with that. I say, what's the difference now? You know what I mean? Somebody on, you know, they had the different the camps. Yeah. It was George W. Bush and a murderer like initiation with his father. Then they got the Hillary uh, in the New York Senate seat. They're yeah. both the same thing. Correct. <laughs> the bit, the Bush death cult. Yeah. The Clintons are a part of that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, does, it, does, it doesn't work that way. And it's, you know, they, they, they these body counts, but these, you know, I do think like the Clintons when they were in Arkansas, I think that they may have had the, uh, Ability, maybe they let them order some hits themselves. They killed so many people in Arkansas. Yes, I mean, they did. Ridiculous. So, I mean, the way, and I was friends with Linda Ives, uh, uh, the father of, uh, I mean, the mother of Kevin Ives, one of the boys on the tracks. And she was a boys really on crazy, the tracks. Yeah. She was one of the most courageous women. And she ended up dying. I, I never got her on the show because she was always too sick. Uh, she died way too young. And then and her daughter died in a weird Her daughter way. died. I was communicating with her and then she died really strangely. It's right around the lockdown time. Yeah. And, that's uh, insane. But it yeah. doesn't surprise me. Oh, the, the, but that's the, really sad. It really is because she sent me emails with like, I mean, there were so many deaths of other teenagers connected <laughs> to them, to the Kevin Isaac. I mean, she had a whole slew of them. It's like, yeah, you yeah, know, there's no way again can't be random that's not coincidental nope. you know that that nope, many people not. so it's it's uh but see those that's why it's, it's just the job we have of exposing all this is is really hard because the that's why i say we're in a spiritual battle because yes, it, it would are. take a supernatural force to to sift this all out i mean there's so many huge crimes and, and so much corruption that you know how do you you can't do it here on earth i don't think i could not agree more i think it's uh from every angle. And I mean, I primarily focus on, you know, the false memory syndrome foundation, that area regarding children, because I mean, that's still going on to this day, but uh, yeah, when, when it comes to the stuff with children, whether it's murder of children, like the boys on the tracks and the other kids that died subsequently, or this kind of stuff, 
I don't think that we deserve to survive as a society if we're not willing to expose this kind of stuff. That's who we're supposed to protect. So it is what it is. The job continues. I, I think the, the Pizzagate thing is uh, an extension of like the McMartin thing, you know, with the tunnel situation. People go, oh, it was proven that that, that pizza joint didn't have a basement. Where was it proven? Exactly. They tell that all the time. And they just, again, people... And Alex Jones didn't do anybody any favors I by know. apologizing for it. It was absolutely, I remember thinking, you know, you know, that's when you really say, it's like, okay, you can't be real. Why are you apologizing for this? It's ridiculous. Thank and you. he did. And, uh, I, you know, I'm certainly not uh, going to apologize for it. You, you read those emails, those Podesta emails, and the pizza and pasta references are way too many. Uh, and, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have pasta for about a half an hour or an hour. What? Or there's a pizza-related map here. Come back. You forgot your pizza-related map. Handkerchief on the map. Yeah, handkerchief. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. And like I said, just the generic term of pasta. If you're, if you're, like, if you're announcing what's going to be served at a party, or you're inviting somebody over for dinner, you wouldn't tell them we're going to have pasta. You would, you would say what kind of pasta? Spaghetti, you know, ravioli, whatever. You're, you're not going to say come over for some pasta. I mean, that's. But it's code word, obviously. You're not going to speak in code. Yeah, yeah. I think well, it is. It's like Obama ordered a, over thousands of hot dogs <laughs> for a party. <laughs> like, He'd be flown in from Chicago. Oh, man. These people <laughs> yeah. are going to be eating hot dogs, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Obama, you know he likes hot dogs, apparently. So. Well, I, I was going to go. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Comet Pizza, you can just follow, follow the money with that. Yeah. They're doing business in Thailand. Thailand's well-known for child well, sex yeah. trafficking. Same with Voodoo Donuts here in Portland. Oh, yeah. There was people, there was a couple years ago, people were outside of the Voodoo Donuts protesting that place because of the transactions they were doing. And it was thought to be like a like a, a Comet Pizza type situation. Yeah. They had the same thing going on in Thailand. Oh, God. Yeah. Voodoo Donuts, people. <laughs> Voodoo Donuts. Well, Chris, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to send me Dana's contact info. I gotta have her on the show. Yeah, I would love that. And I will well, absolutely get your books. It'll keep me busy. I know that we're we're past the hour, so I appreciate uh, we'll, it. We'll let you go, uh, Mr. Okay. Jeffries. Um, but just tell everybody about uh, where they can find you and where they can see you, where they can get the book, but also tell them about the Substack situation, just so they know to what to do to make it not spam. Yeah. It's uh, donaldjeffries.substack. Oh, but no, you mean not spam. Where it's turning in, it's going into people's spam folders now at Substack. Whenever oh, yeah, that's it. what they're saying. I don't know why, but that's what I hear. So I don't know uh, if that's true, but that's what they say. So, uh, you know, just look for it in your spam folders. You're not getting the notifications. So, uh, but yes, donaldjeffries.substack.com. I protest this every Friday. Five to seven on my uh, PM Eastern on my YouTube channel and on Rockfin, so people can find me there. And where is the best place that you will benefit from them getting the new book? Uh, but I don't care. Lulu, Amazon, anywhere. You know, get the best deal anywhere is helpful. I appreciate it. And is there <laughs> one more thing? Is there what's the best way for people to fight to get it into libraries? Well, you just suggest it to your library. You know, just, 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 and if enough people do, they'll put it in there. I don't know how else to tell you, but that's uh, try to break the algorithm that way. Any, anything people do, I appreciate. Okay. 
All right, everyone. That's Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Don. Nice great, Donald Take care. Thank you. And uh, take care. All right. Okay. Here we go. Hello. Hey, how are you? That was great. Thank you for letting me meet him. <laughs> no worries. No, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I hope. Uh, hopefully, I wasn't speaking for you. To, uh, no. Stop it. It's I'm fine. Trying, uh, <laughs> um, no, that was great. It was very fun. Yeah. So this whole like false memory syndrome foundation thing is just. Yeah. People are coming out here like, well this has all been debunked and, you know, repressed memories and false memories. And I'm like, oh, really? Tell me more. And then guess who they cite? Elizabeth Loftus. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you mean the professional witness for Gislaine Maxwell? Okay, yeah. that sounds good. Let's talk about it then, because she makes yeah. her own science. Like, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. And I know that now um have you guys read thanks for the memories by bryce taylor no i've heard of it i haven't read it unfortunately like bawling my eyes out like in the beginning of the book like can't even get through it because it's so intense because like so reading program to kill and dave's approach and then going through all of the very arduous radiation testimony that uh, committee that Clinton did. Yeah. And then reading this book, it all checks out. And it is the strongest argument looking at that testimony, what she says, what Dave talks about, because she talks about Estabrooks, hypnotism, the weaponization of it, the drugs, everything. Jolly gets mentioned in her book too. And guess what? It's not nice. Um, it's the strongest argument for the monarch program factually, like straight up. Like, I don't read any of the other, uh, I don't want to name them, but like well-known sort of monarch people Yeah, yeah we that are, are yeah, a little sure. more popular. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, <laughs> she just, she lays it out and it's not. It's not crazy. It's not like super conspiratorial. It makes sense. It lines up with everything that's been released through FOIA, all of it, and those committees and all the testimony. It all checks out. So I know that that's where all of this is going to end up leading because last night I got cut off on YouTube yeah. and my friend who researches, you know, more like the military sort of aspect and those types of experiments that are still done today. Yeah. And some of family court, um, he was in my live stream. And as soon as I said CPS and DCYF, <laughs> my entire computer shut off and his cell phone stopped working. Is it weird? Coincidence? Maybe. But it's weird. I can acknowledge that. Yeah, I don't believe in coincidences. Neither do I, not anymore, because as soon as I said, I believe the main tentacles of this octopus right now are CPS and DCYF, and it literally cuts off right there. Yeah, like, that's... Okay. Well, I was, well, I was like, what happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did she they just set my computer? Yeah, I saw that. You're like, well, it, it was good while it lasted, and I was like, what happened? Yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was very bizarre. And then, you know, my friend texted me and he was like, dude, I swear, like my phone stopped working at the exact same time. And I'm like, OK, well, that's great. It's fine. 
whatever. We have that technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I mean, I don't, you guys know how I feel about Operation Underground Railroad. So I just think that it's really weird that there's people yeah. coming out saying that that's a QAnon movie, but then they're also, you know, trying to discredit the satanic panic and saying that that's a QAnon narrative. And I'm like, why are you guys throwing that argument at every single angle? Like, yeah. it just doesn't exist. Is that right. what we're going with? Is that, you know, this type of abuse just, it's not real? It's a QAnon thing if you bring it up. It's easier to but just then there's people away. that like love this movie and they think that like things are being done, you know, despite <laughs> despite uh, the track record of any of these organizations, quite frankly. And Ballard's talking openly about uh, microchipping the children. <laughs> yeah, and he was yeah, that's just so they can track your kids without you knowing about it. Bingo. That's what I was saying. Bingo. What was that? Um, what was that school shooting in Texas where they screwed up and Uvalde? Uh, yeah. Uvalde. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It was after Uvalde. They were trying to roll out like a home DNA sort of kit, yeah. like in case something happens so they could identify the bodies. And then it turns out that that was going into a major tracking system and they were telling them that it was voluntary and that you could keep it at home, but they were going to have to bring it back and it was going to go into this global uh, system. And I'm like, that's, that's disgusting. It's the weaponization of school shootings, you know, for right. that. Yeah. I just, I don't understand why people are willing to take that at face value, but completely discredit the other, like the satanic, like the satanic panic. Like, why is that so far out of the grasp of reality? But Operation Underground Railroad and this white knight using slave language checks out. Good. Yeah, that's right. Slave We're getting exposure, you know, yeah. and it's like, no. no this you're, is the same side of a different coin. You're throwing it away with a, putting the QAnon label on it because then people are not going to pay attention to what's in the movie. They're going to say, oh, it's just nonsense. QAnon. Here's what bothers me about that QAnon stuff is you don't ever hear any of them talk about the Franklin scandal. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. And that is all Republicans right there. Mm-hmm. The ones nope. who were moving money, hell yeah, it was, absolutely. And that's why I ask people, like, you know, uh, adults, like older people, I'm like, have you ever heard of the Franklin scandal? No? Then I, I can't, unless you're willing to talk about it and discuss it, you know, in a non-emotional way, we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, it's not Quite just the Democrats that are the pedophiles. The Republicans no. are involved, too. <laughs> it's everybody. Yeah. It's everybody. And, uh... You know, it's, but people, and I feel like now the more that I'm researching this sort of monarch angle, I really feel like a couple of those kids that, you know, I mean, they're adults now and they're pretty well known. Um, they were the scapegoat for that to be, for that to be entered, you know, into the vernacular, but so out of touch with reality that people just completely throw the whole thing away. Like, oh, that's crazy. They would never do that. They would never fly kids coast to coast and load them full of drugs and do satanic rituals and <laughs> you know, traffic them and take them out into the desert and make they snuff films. Fly, snuff films. They would never fly uh, planes into the, the buildings. <laughs> they would never shoot yeah. high schoolers, you know, with teams, SWAT teams, you know. They'd never yeah. do that. <coughs> 
They never killed yeah. the president of the United States, you know, on broad daylight. Anyway, we go on and on about that. But for those that are watching and or listening, you just give us a, a, a basic overview of the Monarch program, because I'm sure that there's quite a few people that probably are not familiar with the, with that program. Let me wet my whistle really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a lot more well-spoken okay. than I am. So <laughs> the Monarch right. program, and it's interesting because this t kind of ties into Franklin because it's Bill Casey who has been uh -huh. the only person that has, he didn't deny it. He was dismissive, but he, you know, he didn't say that they former weren't doing CIA, it. Former CIA director. William that Casey. is absolutely correct. Yep. He was in the church committee, um, giving a lot of testimony and, you know, he was, he was involved in, to what extent we don't know, investigating the Franklin scandal, you know, he's in conspiracy of silence, you know, talking about trying to get things together as far as the investigators, um, to get these individuals investigated, but he did die a very mysterious death afterwards. So that is something to bear in mind because he is the only official on record that has ever discussed the Monarch program, Project Monarch, whatever you want to call it. So the premise of it, which I show documentation in my streams because some of this stuff dates back to the OSS back in the 40s. Um, it's basically MK Ultra, so mind control. People usually think of like a Manchurian candidate type stuff, you know, program to kill. You pick up the phone and they right. say a yep. trigger word and then you go and carry out your orders. Um, but this is data storage and uh, agent provocateur. So, you know, compromising very powerful people and also storing uh, state secrets all kinds of stuff. Um, Cause I've talked about, and Dave talked about it too. And I've had people try to tell me that this has been debunked and I'm like, excuse me, the science is out there. They have the MRI studies where it shows when somebody's personality is, you know, if they're switching personalities, whatever, that's real. The brain activity changes. You can see it. So don't tell me that multiple personality or dissociative identity disorder isn't real because it is. And there is so much documentation from Project Bluebird, Project Artichoke, MK Ultra, all these other really weird sub projects, including I think it's 136 or 138, um, specifically talking about, you know, enhancing alter or alternate personalities in children via electroshock therapy, drugs, pain, isolation, uh, other various forms of torture, hypnosis. Pedophilia, yeah. all kinds of trauma. Oh, well, I mean, Sidney Gottlieb and Martin Orne of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation are in the same sentence where they are both implicated in child sexual abuse. For, for Bluebird and Artichoke. And that's well, in the that's NSA cool. archives. So fight sure. me. Seriously, come at me. I don't care because, you know, these are three women who were child victims of this program. And why would they keep this stuff up? Why would it still be in the archives? There's video testimony. It's very long. This stuff was on C-SPAN in the 90s. It's insane. 
but people don't really talk about it. Why? I don't know. But that is the premise of it, is that, so this book I'm reading, Thanks for the Memories, she talks about how she was born into a family that the abuse was always there. And, you know, her dad made it very clear from the get-go that it was for a reason, right? And so it was for this purpose. And so in this aspect, the ritual abuse is to create as many alternate or split personalities as possible. That way, A, you have a super high pain tolerance and you will be very obedient. That whole like Stockholm syndrome thing, yeah. you'll be ready to go when you are uh, age appropriate. And keep in mind, age appropriate to the CIA uh, and our intelligence community and our military <laughs> and the Department of Defense, because they're also implicated in this as well, specifically, uh, they consider nine years old appropriate for this, as yeah. far as the agent provocateur. That's what then, Monarch is. And then you get into uh, the Kathy O'Brien of it all, right? Yeah, I haven't gone there Okay. And well, I'm not I'm not saying anything one way or the other. I just Well, even people like Dave had his thoughts on Kathy O'Brien, so we'll just keep that keep that out there. Yeah. I I haven't even looked at it. That's all I'll say is I haven't even looked at it. And this uh this Bryce Taylor book I found because you know me, I love to go on YouTube and see if I can find like old news clips because sometimes people yes. have them there. And I found this uh, I think it was like NBC or CBS and it was Bryce Taylor and Ted Gunderson. And it was like right before he died and he was helping her. And I'm like, Oh, Ted, I love you. This is great. Um, but it's her. And it talks about just like that Johnny gosh thing on that Deedle and Bo show where it's like, she says that she was part of a mind control program with the government where she right. seduced powerful men, blah, 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 blah. And then it just disappears into the ether. Yeah. It's kind of like the Ghani Josh gosh thing just went away. Yep, sure did. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look into the police chief there because Bryce Taylor mentions a very strange time. Doesn't say anything specific, but there is a mention of some stuff going on in Iowa, and it's within that time frame. So. I have like a laundry list of things to look up that she mentions in that book. So we'll see who knows where that's going to go, but I do feel like it needs to be reevaluated. Just so you guys uh, don't think I'm being disrespectful. I got, I have other people that don't want to not comfortable with me on a camera right now that are around me. So no okay. worries, Chris, but uh, I wanted that's to ask, fine. I wanted to ask um, the false memory syndrome. I would go on other people's shows as a, as a guest and I'd bring it up because I feel like it was used for the longest time, not just against, you know, the, the, you know, children that were, you know, victims of horrible, horrible, uh, things, but also witnesses and various, um, you know, school shootings and things like that, where they were basically victimized again. Correct. For, for giving their uh, their witness statement, you know, and if it didn't mm -hmm. go along with whatever the official narrative was, then they were nuts. And they would just call them, you know, they they'd say, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about," you know. They're trying to make it so you don't trust your eyes, ears, your memories, 
Gaslighting you know, 101. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, and even though the organization itself supposedly is, you know, is done in what, 2018? Supposedly. 2019, oh. the end of 2019, it dissolved. But exactly. I'm trying to lay out the argument that they have simply, they're operating independently. And there are some other people that agree with me, uh, specifically within the ex-Scientology community, which is really interesting. But, you know, there's a lot of people that still adhere to this ideology. And I try to make it a point when I'm on other shows that it's not just used in child abuse cases. It is used in mass casualty events like school shootings. It's really but applicable. Mean, but, but yeah, but not to take away from that, mainly it's used against, you know, victims of, you know, pedophilia and things like that, sexual crimes, things like that. Sure. But, but it's used for just to victimize uh, victims in general. <laughs> and yeah. it was never a real syndrome. No, no, it wasn't. So I I don't know if you saw, but I found someone, you know, shared it online. And it was the first circular that they sent out um, back in 1992. The first one. Um, yeah. And her talking about like how they know they're not in the business of representing pedophiles because of their graying hairlines. And they look like nice people that you would want to be friends with. And a polygraph get real. And the fact that Johns Hopkins was the first university to recognize it as a syndrome in 1994. Hello. Johns Hopkins hosts all those pandemic war games. They're always up to something super sus. So the fact that they were like on the scene ready to go and then all these spooks start showing up and they're like, oh yeah, we'll get in on this too. Because so like I did the Patty Hearst uh, kidnapping and Donald Dufries and the SLA and all of that. And I'm like, how can you sit here and not see that these people are simply covering their tracks through the court of law? Well, the Patty Hearst Pier thing, the Patty Hearst thing was the opposite side of the Manson family coin, in my opinion. I think that Patty Hearst was a total victim of the government. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know, no, I agree. What I'm saying is in terms of the operation, you know, with the Manson family, it's supposed to be all, all these uh, homeless hippies and everything. But then you get like yeah. the heiress, the... Uh, the very wealthy heiress, it's like the flip side of the coin. It's yeah. all mind, mind control shit. I think that that was really pivotal for them in uh, especially Margaret Singer and Jolly West and them sort of uh, fulfilling their narrative, so to speak, in the public eye as far as, ooh, brainwashing's really spooky and these cults are going to come and they're going to get your kids. Look at this heiress and she got kidnapped and she turned, you know, and now she's this rebel with a gun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's silly and it's a shame. It really is because... That was basically to show that any class of people, whether you were correct, wealthy, no one's safe. Exactly. The cults are coming. Hide your kids, hide your wife. They coming for you. You know. Yeah. It's uh. It's that's why I made it a point to talk about DeFreeze because they were literally talking about taking out chunks of their brains at Vacaville. Um. You know, as part of MK, and then he's the one who kidnaps her and brainwashes her. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I think that Jolly and Margaret were sweating, and they were like, uh oh. We're busted. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to figure this out. You know, that's what makes sense to me, quite frankly. You know what I found out, actually, about Jolly and West? When the warden of the prison that was holding Timothy McVeigh found out that Jolly and West was visiting McVeigh, he lost his shit. 
and he was angry. And he, I think, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he even made, made a point to make sure that those visits would not happen again. And then I think he got, uh, he got, pardon my, my, pardon my language, but he got chicaned shortly thereafter too, as warden of the prison. <laughs> so he's been, he's been involved in all these things throughout our history, our, our modern day history, you know, Jack Ruby. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. Sirhan Sirhan, everybody. Sirhan, Sirhan. I mean, seriously, like, you know, it's, and like, you know, Wendy Painting, she, you know, talks about, like, why was Timothy McVeigh going to the dentist so much? And Jolly's there for, you know, a psychological disaster exercise. That's kind of weird. Was Jolly pretending to be a dentist? Who knows? But what the hell was going on? And why was nobody keeping track of it? You know, and I don't doubt that that warden probably uh, threw a fit and probably lost his job because of that. Uh, these are things that need to be criticized and questioned. And this is also something that I try to drive home as far as like the Nuremberg conversation is this stuff started in the 40s. So this was literally right after World War II that they're doing all of this under the auspices of the OSS and then going into the CIA. You know, none of these things were ethical. They all violated their oath, quite frankly, as soon as they started. So that makes them criminals. They're not professionals. They're professional criminals. And that's it. I don't care what anybody says because so Patty Hearst wrote a book where she talks about how after they arrest her and she has to go to psychiatric care and she talks about Jolly being extremely abusive to her physically. Yeah. And Martin Orn. Yeah. You know, and it's like, why don't people want to talk about that? Is it because she was brainwashed and they had to do whatever they needed to do? to get her back, so to speak. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's uh, That's one angle. <laughs> well, I mean, that just seems like that's the angle or the narrative that people want to push. Yeah, it's like, oh, this person's damaged, so I'll treat them like trash. You know? It's like, who damaged them in the first place? <laughs> Thank you. Tom, your thoughts? Uh, I'm just listening and learning here, brother. Um, I did a little bit of research last night on the uh, monarch stuff um, and that Dr. George uh, A. Brooks or whatever his last name oh, is. Oh, Esther Brooks. Yeah, Esther Brooks. Right. Yeah, his name came up and uh, Mangala's, Mangala's name came up and Himmler. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm, Anything stick out to you? Um, yeah, the Mangala stuff um, it sounds to me like he's behind a lot of this, the, the start mm -hmm. of a lot of this stuff. The angel of death. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, um, you know, it's that trauma bonding, you know, and especially, so I think it was, so we know that Esther Brooks was talking about hypnotism and all of that, but then, you know, we have L. Ron Hubbard reaching out to Hoover in the very early fifties, uh, begging to do ESP experiments, right? And he wants to be hired as an officer of psychological warfare under the DOD and he's begging Hoover. They end up doing it. But I think that it's really interesting that part of these experiments under MK Ultra Subproject, like I said, I think it's 136 or 138, was specifically ESP. So that's where the isolation, the trauma, hypnosis, the drugs, all of that, so that they can communicate 
telepathically, right? And so it's like that's where the remote just, viewing stuff comes in too. Yes. Right? Yep. The men, mm -hmm. men that stare at goats. That yeah. that, that super limited hangout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. George, absolutely. George Clooney movie after. Yeah, but you know the Mengele angle. Uh, I don't know. People seem to have like a really hard time wrapping their head around him doing that but someone sent me and i didn't include it because whatever like people sit there and give me such a hard time about receipts and i'm like can you just read a book please but someone sent me um i sound like such a jerk i'm sorry it's just these people no, tired me out but um these people it's it is what it is i love the people that watch please keep coming back i'm just venting for five seconds but somebody sent me um that in Europe, in general, the Rockefeller Foundation was funding trauma bonding research heavily, yes. not just in Germany. And I'm like, hmm, wasn't that interesting? Because the Rockefellers also funded Alfred Kinsey. So, oh, let's talk about him for uh, for a second here. Tom saw me pop off with that guy earlier Kinsey. on Twitter. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, I will get into a Twitter battle with you right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I try to show people that, you know, because the false memory thing, I try to show people that we don't have to see everybody in the room to make the argument that they're associated, right? So the British leg of the false memory syndrome foundation, when they reached out to the Freyds, who were, you know, the parents of the girl that accused the father who created the foundation, the Freyds referred the British leg to John Money. Yeah. People can go look up John Money for themselves, but John Money was a huge proselytizer of Alfred Kinsey. And if people don't know who Alfred Kinsey is, uh, the worst thing that you can do to someone sexually, he says that infants would benefit from that. That's published. These are in books. One yeah. of the things that he did was provide a notorious pedophile a stopwatch a stopwatch to time how long it takes for something to happen and the age is down to five months what this isn't a book God. i didn't know that part yeah it's literally the most horrific thing that you've ever read but you know there's people out here because he's considered the father of like a gender ideology so you're not allowed to talk about that kind of stuff you're not, a, that's a, shh. you don't sexual, sin against Kinsey. Sexual, sexual behavior and all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. The father of the sexual revolution and gender ideology and all of that. You're no, no, you're not allowed to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, infants would benefit from the most heinous crime that you could commit literal infants and that they, they're able to, uh, you know, achieve, you know, the peak feeling from, from sex. I don't even like saying it because it's so disgusting. Yeah. And there's a building in his name at Indiana University. Yeah. I, where yeah. the Kinsey Institute is to this day. Now, there is, in my opinion, there's no rationale for it. But what is the rationale that he actually gives, puts forth after that with the infant shit? It's just that we're born this way from birth. And so... Everything is relative, you know? I mean, I'm not going to sit there, and I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, I haven't read all of it, but I understand the point that he's trying to make. 
And for anybody that's listening that wants to come at me, just don't, okay? Because you're not going to change my mind about Kinsey, I'm sorry, or John Money. Um, but it's just basic. There's no need to defend this Person. Oh well, there's people. There's people on Twitter who just woo. We were we were going furious fingers today, going back and forth, um, because you know there were kids. I guess he was a Boy Scout troop leader at one point, and like, uh, those kids. Those kids said that he was, you know, doing uh, some extremely inappropriate things and some abusive things to them. Um, but I mean, all of his studies came from pedophiles, like m most of his studies came from pedophiles. And, uh, you know, the idea that this was published and put into books as some sort of argument that we're born this way. And so, you know, uh, sex and gender and the way that we interact with one another in that way can just be fluid, man. You know, age is relative. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That, that's not how any of this works. No. But he, but you know, he lied. You know, he weaponized academia, uh, and people, to hey, this day, academia praise was, him. Was weaponized from the beginning. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the Human Radiation Experiments Committee, they specifically talk about how um, Richard Helms, Sidney Gottlieb, uh, gosh, I can't remember what's his name, something Allen. Um, they all specifically wanted to compromise, you know, compromise uh, academia as well as government leaders. So they knew exactly what they were doing because they knew that the funding for this stuff was going to run out and they knew that they could get it from colleges. Hmm. Isn't that curious? Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not all that shocking that we're in the state. Not anymore. That we're in the state that the country's in. Yeah. Kind of normalize all this stuff. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's, I had like my little 24 hours of like, ah, like all these people are crazy and maybe I shouldn't do this. And then, you know, I just kind of sat back and kept reading thanks for the memories. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is important. And this stuff needs to get out there because, uh, and she makes the argument so well and she states it uh, so beautifully and so emotionally. But, you know, this has to be talked about because it's still going on. And if you don't understand the history of it, that's why I show people the documents, the Black Vault, FOIA, all of it, so that they can read the words for themselves and see that that's what these people were doing. Sorry, our government's trash. I don't know what to tell you, but now we need to move forward because these things are still going on on a much bigger scale than anyone could even imagine because we've got all this weird transhumanism stuff going on too right so that takes it to like a completely different angle that's extremely dark that people won't even like look at if they don't understand this now you know yeah you know does kinsey or our jolly and west do they ever do they ever try to inject the transhuman stuff into uh, their the documents and all that from the get go years years back? Uh, that you can I mean, remember. I can't remember. Most of Jolly's stuff is still so much of his stuff is redacted. Yeah, like so much of it. I mean, Wendy painting that's pretty much like the staple history on Jolly. 
you know, and that took her such a long time. And she did a great job. Um, the CIA so destroyed much... a lot of those MK Ultra files too. Yeah, well, I think it's really weird that to this day his name is so hard to find. And I want to know why. Because that makes me think that he was extremely guilty of some very, very bad things. Well, when you're reading the FOIA stuff and it's all blacked out, that's got to let you know that something's not right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I try to tell people. I'm like, okay, so let's just kind of look at the dates. Let's see if these people were peers, if they were, you know, other people witnessed them at these same events or, you know, these same institutions, whatever. And let's just kind of de deduct it down to the most reasonable argument because, you know, he was in there from the get-go. And I think that he was uh, groomed, so to speak, literally, to, to do this job and to operate this way. Because, um, like I said, I mean, even Bryce Taylor talks about him. And she has nothing good to say. Uh, and, you know, the stuff that Patty Hearst said, I didn't know that Patty Hearst had wrote a book. But when I read that, I was just like, oh, my God like he's he's a monster seriously like the fact that they would do that to her after everything that she went through that they know that she went through because they did it to defreeze and taught defreeze how to do it you know what i'm saying so it's like i just think that the false memory syndrome foundation all of it um it is the biggest cover-up the biggest cover-up because this involves kids so that's the biggest cover-up yeah I can't hear you. Chris is muted. Yes, is. <laughs> I usually am, Tom. No. That's, um, that's okay, brother. <laughs> no, I, I was just checking out the chat for the first time tonight. And uh, yeah, Cult Priestess, <laughs> she says, um, I never get to be this serious on this show. LOL, Chris always see, says it's a comedy show. That's true. I, I, but with this, well, I don't know. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to do comedy with the, you know, this subject. With me. With no, me. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It just, I no, feel like okay. if I try to, if I start doing like a boner sound effects when we're talking, about, <laughs> we're talking about the kind of takes thing. away from the subject. Well, it takes away. Yeah. Like I, I had a private conversation with Tom, uh, a bunch of times and I'm like, it's, it's like uh, talking about um, all the victims at like Columbine or something, right? Like all, all the, the gore and all the, you know, all the trauma and the horrible stuff. And then I go and, you know, and, and I don't know, make some lame fart joke in the middle. It's like, it's out of place. It, you know, if it's just me and Tom, it's Tom and I just going back and forth about, you know, different things. It, yeah, but I'll call all priests also brought up something about Madame Blavatsky. Uh, Tell us the, about that. Theosophy partnered with the United Nations to physically enslave nine-year-old girls to turn them into channels slash possessed. So that's kind of like what Dana was talking about earlier about the nine-year-old girls. Right. So it's yeah, funny. She is fascinating. Yeah. Well, they're well, they're I mean. OP, next time we get you on, we'll be super serious if you want. <laughs> Whatever it is you want to get into. <laughs> there you go. 
there's nothing else I can say about it. You know, I, mean, I, feel like, I feel like if I start doing like those type of sound effects in the middle of a discussion about the Franklin scandal, it, it's kind of, uh, it, it, you know, it's kind of shitting all over the, you know, the memory of the people that had to go through some pretty horrible stuff. Um, the most horrible stuff, in my opinion, that a person could be put through. So I guess it's all in context. It's all discretion, you know. Sure. It's true that this podcast is kind of was kind of set up so it could be a little more lighthearted. But when I discovered your your videos, Dana, I mean, this is an important thing uh, to talk about and shed light on that no one seems to want to do besides yourself and like Don, you know, and even Dave back in the day, you know. Um, so uh, with that, um, I don't have any dirty jokes right now, but that's okay. You can save them for next time because you know I'll be back. Well, Tom. Uh, well, Tom. What? <laughs> two white horses fell in a mud puddle. Dirty horses. <laughs> Man, you know. <laughs> Man, I haven't heard a laugh track in a really long time. <laughs> So there you go, Chris. You lightened up the subject a little bit. Well, what I wanted to ask uh, people that are in the chat, they have some questions for Tom and uh, and Dana. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm I'm, I'm throwing it out there now because we haven't really done that on uh, conspiring with Mr. Cooper before, like taking, uh, you know, in between like what we're talking about or whatever. I'm just right. peru perusing through the thing. We got a cult priestess has uh, an emoji of a. A cat or a pig or something or <laughs> hybrid or something. Yeah, it's yeah. a cat. It's Catterday today on Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so everyone puts their little cat memes and videos and stuff like that up on Saturdays. Six says, "Play yeah. the boner." Um. <laughs> oh, oh, you oh, lost my. that one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Is that one of those door things? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like yeah. that. <laughs> that yeah. That's good. The boing on on Yeah. Boing, yeah. Boing, That's the term. Yeah. Well, what are you working on now, Dana? Um, what's the next video or what uh, what can people this this yeah. I'm running this into the ground? Into the ground. Thank you. Because we yeah. need to know about the people need to hear about this stuff. And yeah. I know it's dark and it's sick and whatever. But if we don't hear about it and learn about it, we're not ever going to stop this stuff. This has yeah, been going on for I thousands agree. of years. Yeah, This is nothing new. They've been doing this for a long time, but we don't do nothing right. about it. And who, 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 the kids are the ones who suffer for this, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, obviously uh, the ex-Scientology community and this whole weird false memory foundation thing because there's a really big uh human trafficking case near where i'm at so i'm gonna touch on some weird black sex magic that l ron hubbard was maybe maybe not engaging with mr jack parsons back in the day i'm gonna talk about the esp stuff when he was reaching out to hoover we're gonna discuss how i think it's really weird that a lot of scientology is based on implanted memories and the whole like age is relevant you know because you've lived forever and you're signing a billion year contract so you're really an adult in a little body um and also that 
you know, Scientology started around the same time as MK Ultra. So there's a loose argument to be made that maybe Jolly and Lafayette, Ron Hubbard, were peers for a short amount of time. So why is Jolly coming out immediately after Scientology was created and calling Scientology a cult? And that's what he's known for is being a huge, uh, you know, advocate for anti-Scientology. I think that that's an op, straight up. So I'm going to work on tying all of it together. Hopefully. We'll see. Now, when Dr. Jolly came out, he didn't... There is there even any paperwork on him being a real doctor? So I've seen... I've seen mixed things as far as his studies and his time in the army. Um, I don't know if he was, I think he was a doctor in the army and then they pulled him out and they placed him as the head psychiatrist at the university of Oklahoma. Right. I could be wrong. Um, I'm going to dig further cause I have to come back to him cause there's a bunch of other things that I want to talk about with him. Cause some of these other things that I've looked at, it's really weird. Like nobody questions that their testimony has gotten thrown out in court almost every single time as not credible, including the Patty Hearst case, which was like their claim to fame in the anti-cult community. Like they go out and like run the circuit and do all these speeches and uh, say that, you know, that's why so-and-so got off or so-and-so wasn't punished. But then you go and you read the court transcripts and Literally, their testimony's thrown out because it's junk science. I don't know why nobody is, you know, questioning these things. Because I think that these uh, these people are criminals and uh, they should just be completely removed from anything as far as, like, law or uh, professional uh, testimony goes. Especially in regards to whether it's brainwashing or cults or child abuse. You name it. Pick one. I don't care. But this whole thing just needs to go. People need to stop trusting it just because it's in a book and it says PhD on it. I don't care. Don't care. Yeah. Well, do you know that he had, uh, he was, West was an officer in the United States Air Force Medical Service from 1948 to 1956, attaining the rank of major while assigned to Lackland Air Force Base after mm -hmm. his residency, he was appointed to a panel to discover why 36 of 59 airmen captured in the Korean War had confessed or cooperated huh. North Korean um, in North Korean allegations of war crimes committed by the United States. Amid speculation that the airmen had been brainwashed or drugged, West came to a simpler conclusion. What we found enabled us to rule out drugs, hypnosis, or other mysterious trickery, he said. Huh. He observed that it was just one device used to confuse, bewilder, and torment our men until they were ready to confess to anything. That device was prolonged chronic loss of sleep. Correct. avoided being court-martialed for these events as a result of West's research. He then published a paper with the title United States Air Force Prisoners of the Chinese Communist Methods of Forceful Indoctrination, Observations and Interviews. And he also is uh, he's also um, associated with the LSD related death of an elephant. That's what huh. a lot of people know him as. And I'm trying to uh, 
you know, Going. let's take away the cutesy lore. You know, yeah, he right. killed an elephant. Apparently, there's a video out there because apparently he took acid that day too, and it's <laughs> him ripping through Tusco's entrails. Like nice. going nuts in front of everybody. I don't know where this is. I've seen rumors of it in a lot of places. I've seen it mentioned in one book, a very solid book, but I can't find it. However, okay, that is the official narrative as far as his career and Margaret Singer. I don't buy it for a second at all. Sorry, you're keeping someone up for a really long time. I deal with people who don't sleep in the ICU. They get delirious. They get violent. Bad things happen when you don't sleep. So just sitting back and observing, right? And the commies are brainwashing everybody. No, absolutely yeah. not. Sorry. I'll definitely let you know that you start to hallucinate when you've been up too long. <laughs> absolutely. I've had, I've had people knock me out at work, like, you know, punch me, kick me, all kinds of stuff. It's very disorienting. So the idea that uh, we just sat back and observed while we didn't let them sleep. Well, how'd you keep them awake, Jolly? And what'd what you do I when they started freaking out? Hmm? I have questions. Because I don't think that they were just like pacing in a circle. Sounds like you don't know what the hell you're doing if that's what you're trying to present to people, especially as a doctor. So. Yeah. Well, we have some comments and some questions from the chat. Cool. Ooh. All right. We have uh, Soil Lodge. Exactly. If they were never held accountable, the op never ended. Yeah. Hell yeah. Dad Guy 24. He says, I used to have a friend named Jolly. He was anything but. <laughs> Harlan Stonewall. He goes, uh, I'm waiting on a double cheeseburger in Texas. I've been having a good time listening. <laughs> I love that. That's great. And six, six says, forgive me if it's been asked, but what is the biggest takeaway from the Nuremberg research you've done, Dana? My biggest takeaway, it seems like so much of this comes down to the 90s and all of this stuff with radiation and nerve gas coming out because there were a lot of lawsuits with veterans being exposed to nerve gas during World War II and after and not being told, or I'm sorry, not nerve gas, mustard gas, and then the Radiation Experiments Committee where they literally just admit the Nuremberg Code didn't matter. Yeah. The government was able to choose. It was based on their mood. So my biggest takeaway is that when I say it's not real, I'm not saying that the trial didn't happen because someone left a comment on my Nuremberg thing saying, you clearly have a poor understanding of history. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not saying that the trial didn't happen because I have a feeling that uh, you're trying to get at something and insinuate something else. You're not going to put words in my mouth. I'm saying that the legal force behind it does not exist period. And there are multiple academic studies that show that, that it is, uh, you know, highly overspoken about, particularly in America, but otherwise it's never held up in court once. Yeah. Harlan also asks, um, ask Dana if she heard about the 83 flag waivers, Republicans that voted against an amendment on a, a bill a few days ago to reinstate pilots that were fired for re refusing the jab. Do you know anything about that, Dana? No, I haven't read the news in a while, if I'm being honest. I've kind of avoided it just because all the weird, like, stuff at the border and then the yeah. 
laws with the trafficking stuff. Um, I mean, I almost lost my job, you know? So I think that people should get their jobs back. It's, I'm not here to point fingers or make anybody feel stupid or silly. Uh, there's real ramifications from what they did and what they lied to everyone about. But I hope that people learned. I hope that people learned something because they're going to do it again. They are. They just are. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, Dad guy, 24, he goes off topic. Any idea why the LDS is so wrapped in the Sound of Freedom movie? <laughs> oh boy this is a loaded question um well my two cents is uh so tim ballard the yeah top uh leader of the lds church on a global scale that guy's last name is ballard too um he does not name all of his children i've read multiple publications the names that he lists there's more names versus the numbers that he says of how many children he has versus the ones that he names. Ballard has not identified his parents. Uh, so to me, until you guys prove otherwise, sorry, you guys are connected because you guys are both really powerful. Um, these people are direct bloodline descendants of Joseph Smith, the original prophet. So I think that that's very interesting. You know, Tim Ballard, is he a real spook? Is he a fake spook? I don't know because journalists have reached out to the CIA, which is you know, good on you and asked, has he ever worked for you? And they replied and said, uh, we will confirm or deny if he'll sign a waiver. He refused to. Um, <laughs> I think that part of the LDS, I mean, and it's not the LDS as a whole, obviously there's nuance, but the LDS, just like every other institutionalized religious faction is notorious for this type of corruption notorious and so i think that it is the visual op of you know the white knight and here we are and they're using a lot of you know religious language which i think is weird but is also very purposeful it's kind of something slipping into the psyche of certain people who might be a little more susceptible to that kind of stuff, just whether their upbringing or their own personal theological beliefs. So. Okay. Well, we also have, um, dad guy 24 says five finger death punch. <laughs> Never listened to them, but I know who they are. Yeah, me too. How about you, Tom? Uh, yeah, I think they do a Metallica cover. So I've heard that. Also, it's a question from me uh, to Tom. Do you use conditioner in that in that beard? Uh, I do once in a while. But I here's the thing is I use an all-natural um, hemp uh, seed oil soap, and that works really well on my beard. Really? Hell yeah, it does. Yes. Got, that, got that G, got that G beard, son. <laughs> and I also use a, a natural um, hemp seed uh, lotion. Look at Whoa. you. <laughs> I heard that. Please um, tell me you put a sound and I'm not having a stroke. No, no. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, it's one of our sound bites. I'm like, yeah. this is it. Great. <laughs> Don't call 911. Just let me go. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. We also have uh, sit over here and think I'm stroking out with all these crazy noises. That sounds weird. Um, Six says, what's the condiment of choice, Harlan? In Harlan goes mayo. Oh, so mayo. there's like a little combo going on. Little con yeah, a little convo. We got Jim Caviezel donning Donald Trump as Moses and himself as still Jesus is the most cringe video I've seen in a long time. Now that should open people's minds right there. When that dude starts saying he's Jesus and Trump is Moses, yeah, that should be a red flag for everyone. And Tim Ballard saying that the movie was funded by Carlos Slim. Yeah. Who's, who's that? The richest, one of the richest people on the planet, I believe. Okay. Very corrupt from Mexico. Very corrupt. Yeah. How uh, do you no have red flags there? Hmm? Right. Hmm? Yeah. I, Maybe I think... it's a stretch. Maybe it's a stretch that this is coming out right at the time that we're having this massive border crisis. I don't know. I don't know. But not only that, I think it's uh, Trump's trying to play this, too, to keep himself out of the limelight of all this. Well, I mean, whatever, man. Like, he had that, um, that like, meeting with Tim Ballard a couple of years ago when he was in office. Like, they're sitting there together, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm done. I quit. Throw the, yeah. throw the laptop out. Like, I'm done. Because these people are getting into the White House, you know what I'm saying? And they're convincing yeah. them of... There's no proof. There's no proof. I understand that there are issues with legality in regards to the ages of the victims. But at the end of the day, we need to see some fruit. And there has been no fruit at all. You know why Tim is so successful in the United States? Because he donates canine dogs and computer technology to police departments. That's how he like rides that smooth coast here. Otherwise, he only operates in uh, countries notorious for corruption. And why is that? Why is he live streaming these rescues to international donors? That seems extremely problematic to me. Is he choosing these places for a reason? I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think here. Um... So what if, they're what if they're saving these kids and doing uh, shady stuff after they're saving these kids? to make themselves look like they're really saving kids? It's a good question. I don't think that they're saving them at all. That's my, yeah, that's my point. I think that they're, you know, why were the Clintons busted literally, literally kidnapping kids, like trying to throw them on a bus. And then after they get busted, you know, OUR shows up and they're like, oh, we're, we're here to save the day. We're on Operation Underground Railroad. We're going to use all this weird slave language to tug on your heartstrings and your psyche. And uh, I just, where's please. all that money going? Yeah, please donate to us. Where's that money going? It's going right in where's their pockets. The well, is it or, or just hypothesizing? Are they uh, setting up brothels? That's... Funding brothels. Kasari, those are real. Yep. <laughs> those things are very real. Well, all uh, you have to do is go to Thailand, uh, the Philippines. Ukraine. Ukraine, right. Ukraine, Germany, they're everywhere. So is that what he's doing? I don't know. Because we haven't seen anything, right? Yeah. 
Soil Lodge says it's important to have a dialogue with people that doesn't follow the mainstream narrative. So share these details, enlighten people. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, I agree. It's tough. And I'm grateful that you guys let me come on here. Cause like I said, I, I know that these are grim topics, but I, I do feel like at this point, like, I'm not trying to sound over dramatic or anything. I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like this is, you know, the whatever the path at this time in my life that I have been set on. So that's what I'm going to talk about. And, you know, talk about other stuff like talking about Nuremberg. Like that's super fun for me. Talking about how NATO is quite possibly a uh, black magic satanic ritual uh, that's been carried out for a really long time that might be peaking right now. Uh, I think that that's really fascinating. There's so many things to talk about, but when it comes to uh, what's tried and true for me, it's this stuff. So I just got to fulfill my role. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys. Well, NATO is knee-deep in the Operation Gladio, too. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is Gladio, man. It's all Gladio all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just noticed uh, our private chat right now. Okay. All right, well, uh, where can uh, everyone find you, Dana, uh, if you want to be found? And where can they see your excellent videos? Thank you. Um, yes, find me. Don't dox me. Thanks. <laughs> um, rotting jewels, YouTube, Instagram. Is that all I have? Uh, Rumble, and then on Twitter, I am Dana Duda. Come and find me. Reach out. Uh, it might go to my spam inbox, but I will get back to you as soon as I can. All right. Uh, thank you for coming on, and I'm glad you were able to meet uh, Donald. And, yes, thank uh, you so much. I love you guys. I am happy to come on anytime. I love talking to you guys. Awesome. Uh, awesome. We're going to do this again real soon. Yeah. Heck and, yeah. Uh, just for some levity, we're going to have the theme song to play us out called That's My Bush. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Parker, Matt, Matt Parker and Trey Stone actually did a sitcom about George W. Bush right around the time that he stole the, uh, the White House in 2000. So Thanks for watching, everybody. And Have a good night, everyone. Thank you. And thank Very you, well. Dana.